It's November 22nd, 2020, and welcome to episode 46 of the Baby Metal Podcast. We gather in the podcast Discord server on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Baby Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I am Paul, and I am joined by Kevin. Hello, welcome back. And Kelly. Hello, everyone. Recording on a, a day with many twos. That's pretty nice. Me too. November 22nd, 2020. Ah, yes. Of course, everybody's going to hear it in a week, but <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless, that's pretty cool. It's been a month uh, since we recorded last, just because last time, last recording didn't work. So um, there's actually a lot of stuff that's happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so much. We're a little behind. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just sort of reviewing things before and uh like we didn't even talk about Kingslayer. We we talked about the fact that it was about to be out. Yeah. But Right. So anyway, I guess so what we're, what the plan is to talk about the news for a bit and then the main topic for today will be you know, assuming we actually get there, <laughs> we'll be <laughs> talking about this um Katakawa magazine book thing that came out. We book. we now have it. We have some machine translations and things and um there's interesting stuff to talk about in there so that's that's going to be the plan right mm-hmm. yeah the first thing i have on the news list is the collaboration with bring me the horizon kingslayer um so bring me the horizon released a, an ep called posthuman survival horror on october 30th and it contains among other things itch for the cure which is a like a kind of like a little prologue song that happens to contain a little bit of baby metal in it and then kingslayer featuring baby metal um which is actually, you know, featuring baby metal. So now that we've all heard it, what do you think? Amazing. I think Callie liked it so much. Uh, she dressed up for Halloween. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> obsessed. Oh, it's just so refreshing. I just love it. Yeah. And it's, um, I think it's getting a lot of attention too. I mean, like, so there's a video for it, which is basically just the lyrics yeah. stylized over the music. And it has 4.2 million views as of, sometime yesterday yeah that's pretty good so a lot of people a lot of people are aware of it and so it might actually serve as a fairly good window you know back into this group from people who might not have been thinking about them mm. much yeah it's almost more featuring bring me the horizon right like i think baby metal <laughs> features more time behind the mic than they do in that song it's possible there's a lot of ways in which it kind of feels like um at least there are parts of it that really feel like a just a regular baby metal song. I mean, like, you know, um, Ollie is doing essentially the growl, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. We usually have. It's, I mean, it's not the kind of thing that you would, you know, play for your six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually, I thought that was kind of, so the English, the English words are a bit coarse, you might say, <laughs> but um I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, they segmented it pretty, I don't know, carefully in a way. Like, uh, Baby Metal's not doing anything coarse. <laughs> no. Everything they do is is perfectly, you know, fine. And it's actually, you know, it's relatively upbeat. It's not angry. You know, it's kind of like, let's fight together. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which, you know, so I, I thought that was kind of nice that it, it blended their, I, I presume, at least their brands fairly well. So, Kelly, you you know Bring Me the Horizon relatively well, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I actually saw them when they played, when Baby Metal played at Reading Festival. They're on the same stage on the same day. Mm-hmm. So, I, so that whole stage, I saw every band on that stage, including Bring Me the Horizon and Baby Metal. So yeah, that it was, I've been probably listening to about five years. So I'm not like a, an original fan, but I, I like more of their newer stuff rather than their like old stuff. But yeah, it's, it, it's such a good song. It kind of just bit Ollie, like at the beginning, just kind of introduces it with his normal kind of like Bring Me the Horizon songs and then Baby Metal just come in and it just changes it and it just makes it so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I, ones, oh, I'd love to hear it live. That'd be a fun oh, yeah. collaboration. Yeah. And who knows, maybe they'll do it uh, later next year. Isn't Bring Me the Horizon already booking yeah. concerts? Yeah, in... Um, when is it? September, October, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds crazy far away. It yeah. does. But yeah, it's interesting. I, so I, I, you know, I was aware of Bring Me the Horizon primarily just because they kept getting mentioned, you know, in Baby Little Things. <laughs> um, I've, this, this EP is really the only thing that I've listened to um, anytime recently, but I get, I get very strong, like Nine Inch Nails vibes from it. Okay. It really feel very, um, uh, inspired or or in the same coming from the same universe yeah i can see that so which is fine i like i like nine inch nails a lot or at least i used to listen to them a lot back before i listened to only baby metal (laughs) 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 but uh so yeah we there's a couple of things we have um ollie sykes from bring me the horizon talking to to a couple of cameras about this um consequence of sound has a little interview where they, you know, sort of ask them about the collaboration um, and kind of, I guess, actually a little bit also about their history together. And then New Music Express has a thing that sort of goes through song by song. So he also talks a bit about um, Kingslayer specifically. I forget. I don't think actually Babe Metal really gets mentioned in the Itch for a Cure thing. I think that's that's oh. exciting. That's cool. It's like new music. <laughs> My cat. Shush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the cat approved last time too. Uh, yay! Yeah, he did. Good boy. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, so I guess it's that's enough for that news. Unless there's anything else anyone wanted to say. <laughs> no. I guess I guess it's brought in a bunch of reactions uh, that might not have otherwise appeared. Also, the um, you know this quiz uh, for becoming an evangelist has continued. So I think we're on question seven. Now the questions aren't, aren't really getting any harder. No, they're not. <laughs> I have to say that the, like the last couple of questions, so we're on, on number seven. Um, and the last couple, I didn't really know. I mean, you know, so, uh, I think the sixth one had to do with like what the name of this, the special ticket was, you know, oh. your options were like gold premium special and lucky. Um, and, then the most recent one had to do with like what color the light was. Right. <laughs> and so the options were red, blue, yellow, and orange. And it seems like, all right, well, yellow and orange, we can dismiss. <laughs> but either red or blue could be perfectly possible without actually knowing anything about the question or other than the fact that it was just about a light. I'd say you could rule out blue. Blue is pretty, well, but think about starlight. I guess. It's a very blue song. They've, maybe they've only been using blue uh, more recently. But anyway, whatever. Yeah, the answer was red. <laughs> <laughs> so 
the question's posed so infrequently that I always forget it exists until I see somebody tweet about it. Yeah, it's really dragging on. It really is. <laughs> I feel like it's been going on for a month. Yeah, and once we... What has it? I think it has. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and once we get to the end, then we get a lottery. You know, and somebody gets a little, like, participation certificate. Right. <laughs> Saying, you answered ten easy questions, and, and we're lucky. You're an evangelist. Yeah. Congratulations. It kind of seems like we should just, by virtue of this podcast, be getting <laughs> certificates, right? <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. So, we'll assume that we'll probably wrap up at some time in the not-so-distant future. Um, so we have a date now for the RockMecon, uh, stream. So that's exciting. Uh, it is December 12th. I guess we don't know too much more yet about that. It, it, uh, the doors open at eight yeah. and it starts at nine. Oh, it'll be so exciting. <laughs> yeah. I am really curious to mm. see how that turns out. But so the way they did this. Somewhere in the email that they sent out, they said basically this is this is intended to be kind of like a special thing for the, you know, to reward the support of the members of the one, essentially, and to yeah. help out the the venue crew by taking their money. Well, and, and hopefully distributing <laughs> it to the venue crew, <laughs> but but um, yeah. So it's 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 a little complicated. So the way basically the way it works is the ticket is free, but you have to buy a T-shirt. So it's a little bit like the one. Right. It's a long sleeve T-shirt, um, and there's a couple other things you can get. So you can get a full outfit. You can get little—I uh, don't know what they call them—bone bottoms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the bone glove. Yeah, the glove and the oh. towel. Yeah, and the hoodie. Oh, and the um, wristband. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so you have to get the long sleeve tee, but you can get the other things mm. if you want to continue to fully dress up. Complete the outfit. Oh, and there's a hoodie too. Yeah. Yep. Mm. So I, you know, I jumped on it, and but but I I only got the the towel. Oh, no, you didn't want the full bone. No. <laughs> Come on, Paul. No. Next time you go to a show, you can be totally decked out. Because that's the thing. I mean, like, when am I going to wear this? No. Only <laughs> I mean, under what show. circumstance? We record yeah. every two weeks. You could dress up. That's true. <laughs> if, we, if we have to do this podcast over video. Maybe we can eat dress right, up there. There you then. go. <laughs> right, so we can see the cat approving. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. yeah, so it um, it was somewhere in between, you know, convenient and inconvenient for the non-Japanese fans. I think maybe it was on the edge of non-convenient because <laughs> I think you so that you have to get a um, a Muse ID, right? I mean, the guy had one already, so I, I didn't have to go through that process. But I think it was actually kind of challenging. If you were trying to race to get this yeah. done. Yeah, it took me about 10 minutes to figure out exactly what I needed and that my international ASMART account didn't mm-hmm. work for this. And yeah, I had to that's right. The separate AID. Yeah, I had I had the AID for some other reason. I think it was, um, what are they called? Night of Speaker had a, mm. has a channel there that, that I paid for at one point. So I had this. Oh, maybe I needed it for fresh. I don't remember. <laughs> No, but, um, not fresh. Eventually, uh, it was possible to get a, a streaming ticket of a sort. What I don't understand... So, okay, let me back up a second. So, you get this... You, you pay for this long-sleeve tee. 
uh, you get your golden ticket mm-hmm. free of charge and then any other merch. But it kind of seems to me like their intention is that the golden ticket is actually required to get in. Does that sound possible? Yeah, maybe to, to, to log in to whatever we're watching it on. Yeah, which means we are relying on, on you know, DHL or the post <gasps> or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't even time. think about that. Oh, so, no. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm really hoping that uh, uh, this reaches us in time. <laughs> Damn. Mm. So we have, I don't know what we have, like three weeks, something like that. So it kind of, for all intents and purposes, it looks like we have an electronic ticket already. So I'm not sure exactly what role this golden ticket will play. Yeah. But it's on, I haven't watched anything on live ship, but all these other, I've watched a crap load of Japanese bands play live online. And usually you just get emailed a link. Go here. Yeah. So my guess is that's probably what's happening. And the, the golden ticket is just yeah. like for fun. Yeah. The, and I'm, I'm reading my email again. It says after logging in with your AID, you can access the viewing page from the URL below. Uh, or, okay. Or my page, ticket purchase information. So I don't think you need anything physical. Yeah. Though you might get a souvenir physical golden ticket or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. I'm. Let it, or maybe who knows? Maybe that. Maybe it's a it's a lottery <laughs> that we get an additional stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that seems not impossible. But anyway, so we're getting close. I'm I'm really quite looking forward to seeing what they what they do. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Because it, it does it does appear that there's not going to be any anybody um, of note in the house. I mean, it's going to be they have the whole place to themselves, basically. Yeah, right. so small. <clears throat> yeah. I hope they I hope they do something that that uh, kind of recalls the original show. There, I don't know exactly how they would do that, but you know, set well, up the, the stage. The merch is all set uh inspired by the original merchandise, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I saw that. The yeah, the um the design on the towel and the design on the uh shirt is from the the Corset Festival. Yep. So, which is really pretty cool. I I like having Baby Metal written out in in yes, Katakana. I do too. I think I think it is not deeply enough appreciated how how funny that is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean that was one of the things that that struck me right at the, right at the beginning. I was like uh, that you know the cleverness of turning heavy metal into baby metal with just a couple little tick marks is, it's just, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's glorious. Um, what do you call those? I don't know. Whatever this little do hinkies that turns H into B. 10, 10, 10, 10. Okay. Yep. Ah, uh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is 10. So, uh, okay. Next thing. Uh, there was so I think we actually didn't even talk about this last time because I think it all happened between yeah. last time and this time. But the there's the baby metal did this collaboration with Pitta Masks. I don't actually know too much about this. Uh, they're you know I guess just a brand name of mask that is quite possibly popular, and they've combined to have a design. So you know it's, I think it's basically a set that just has like the baby metal you know logo in the corner. But we got some new photos. We got some photos of them wearing them and it comes in a box that has them on it yep (laughs) necessary merch (laughs) oh i see yeah no with three different colors it looks like there are six in the box um with a red logo white logo and a red logo 
I did not enter the lottery. You didn't? Oh, yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah, so there was a lottery, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to sell them anyway, but the, the lottery was basically early access. They are, they're already on Osmart. Are they? Okay. Um, well, the page to buy them is, but it, I think there's a another couple of weeks it says it goes live or something like that. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so they had, a, they had a lottery, which, from what I understand, was pretty easy to win. So, okay, so so Kevin, you didn't enter. That explains no. why you didn't win. I know nobody who lost. <laughs> I was pretty excited there for a while, but I'm feeling less and less special now. No. <laughs> I, know one the, who, uh, I know one who lost, um, someone called Logan. I'm pretty sure he didn't win, which is sad. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a little uncool if the, if the way to be special in this is to lose. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so many people won. I saw a fan art comic strip about it. That was really mm-hmm. funny. I'll, I'll see if I can dig it out while, okay. while we move on. And, and I assume that, I mean, this is, it's a product, right? I mean, like, I assume it's not really all that limited. So once it, once they become available, they're probably viable, but it's pretty cool. What else? Um, MTV's video music awards, Japan, 2020, uh, will air, on November 29th, a week from recording. So they have, did they record it already? I think they did. I think, do we have, um, I think we have photos of them getting their award. We have photos. Yeah. Um, so it will, uh, it'll, it'll air on MTV Japan and Hulu Japan, neither of which I get, but, uh, soon there will be them performing, for, performing Papaya and holding awards, <laughs> <laughs> maybe saying something. I don't know. I think this would be. I would be more excited about this if it weren't in the middle of like a pile of bigger news. <laughs> I think. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, anyway, we'll we'll talk more about you know them saying how excited they are to win the award <laughs> next time and playing Papaya <laughs> for the umpteenth time. What else? We I guess what in the. Sticking to that theme just a little bit, we learned that they're playing at the 71st edition of Kohaku. Um, I don't know what this is, except that it's a pretty big deal. So I think it's uh, the analogy I've seen is that it's essentially something like um, New Year's Rock and Eve in. in oh, yeah, US. yeah. But it's it's basically being played. Uh, it's It's a big New Year's Eve show that many, many, many people watch in Japan. It's kind of an honor to be invited. There are speculations that Baby Metal has been invited before and turned them down, but I don't know how true that is, but this is the first time, this is their first time being on it. Oh, that's what that cartoon is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd, I'd seen, I'd seen this, um, skipping back for a second, but I'd seen this, uh, fan art, but I didn't, I didn't actually understand <laughs> what, uh, what it was saying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Sue and Moa took all the, uh, the negatives. Like little lottery balls with X's on them out <laughs> and then hid them and Koba standing in the background confused. I see. No, I love <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, back to the Kohaku. The the closest analogy I can get to it is New Year's Rock and Eve in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, also been suggested maybe Super Bowl halftime show. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as cultural reach. Um So it'll be super prominent. I, I guess. I don't want to cast such a wide net to say that, you know, everybody watches the thing in Japan because I just don't know. I haven't asked a Japanese person just 
how many people a year watch this. I did do a little bit of research, and at one time it was the most watched television program in the country of Japan, but that was in like I think the early nineties. Right. Um, so who knows how many people are still watching? I'm sure it's not an insignificant amount, um, but maybe not as many as it used to be. And that's probably exactly parallel to New Year's yeah, Rockin' Eve. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> Just like New Year's Rockin' Eve. So, yeah, there's a there's a there's some kind of competition aspect to it that I don't fully understand, but it's essentially kind of like female groups versus male groups via vote by judges and possibly audience. Yeah, red team versus white team. And so I don't know what that means. I'm not sure what that means either. I didn't get that far. Yeah. <laughs> There's some photos that are related to it already out. Oh, this is NHK, the channel that's doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I don't know what this means that there are photos. Maybe there are photos of the press events announcing it. I'm, I'm assuming they haven't actually performed to something that's going to be played. Yeah, no, the photos are from the, the press event that just shows everybody is performing. Okay. Um, and I And I guess it's... Since it's red versus white, it's kind of tradition for the people on their team to wear that color. So it's actually really pretty funny seeing the large group of people performing and then uh, Baby Metal in their battle outfits in black and gold. Because <laughs> they, they stand out very prominently. <laughs> I mean, they might have anyway, but... <laughs> yeah, it would have been interesting if they had... had. Well, I suppose they still could show up in a themed costume. But, I think that's pretty unlikely, but yeah, uh, it's it's funny seeing a bunch of people dressed in white and then Sue and Moa. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and well, actually, there's there's another group of people there who maybe are the judges or something, um, who are in black. Hmm. But yeah, it is pretty bizarre. Yeah, Dar- Darren says red is female artists, white is male artists. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't love that part. <laughs> The competition part, but I mean, I guess that's somehow, you know, part of the game. Uh, Okay, so it's Thursday, December 31st, between 7.30 p.m. and just about midnight Japan time. Let's see. Uh, Other big things. Let's see. uh, Holiday sweater and cap are available. (laughs) I I just let that pass me by. I got the beanie. You did. I did. Okay. Mm, I didn't get anything. I did not. I did not get the sweater. I'm only just now remembering that I think this is, yeah, it's the US and UK stores only. Yeah. So it's not even smart at all. So it it feels only sort of partially official, although I guess we have a photo of them holding the things. And I probably won't get it until summer next year. (laughs) That's right. About the right time. Yeah. I'd forgotten about the photo. Having the photo of them hold it, that makes it slightly more official. I'm I'm not into ugly Christmas sweaters. No. This one, I say, is less ugly. (laughs) It is less ugly than years previous. Yeah, it's not just like the, you know, whatever the... I don't even know what to call that face that they put on the ugly sweater before, but... Yeah, I don't know. I thought... Yeah, I I thought the beanie was okay. I don't have a red and black beanie. Why not? (laughs) Why not, indeed? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. So, let's see. What else? Uh, We have... I think this is. I think since we recorded last, they also announced what the tracks were on the best album, and we're getting pretty close actually to that showing up, right? I mean, like we're a month away now. Yeah, but showing up in the sense of leaving a muse, I guess. Right. <laughs> but um, so we have Doki Doki Morning, Headbanger, uh, IDZ, Magitsune, Gimme Chocolate, Road of Resistance, Karate, The One, Distortion, and Papaya. Uh, 
and they're allegedly remastered. So we heard something about them being remastered. Remastered by Ted Jensen, who also remastered the Budokan release. Budokan sounds really good, too, by the way. So mm, yeah, it does. It's promising. Yeah, that he doesn't mess around. Ted Jensen's pretty famous. He's really good. I so, expect it to sound great. Yeah, I am optimistic, particularly because it sounds they sound terrible on the album. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we love the songs and all, but but um, they are they are all maxed out in an incredible yeah. way. Yep. <laughs> so hopefully that'll be slightly different. Um, we know what the covers look like too. Um, I mean, there's there's no particular surprises in the covers. Um, one of the covers is the the gold, you know, the new gold picture of them. Uh, and then the other ones are, you know, they have, they have kind of like a, a brassy bronzy mm-hmm. baby metal logo over, over, I think, what is the one there's, let's see. First press limited edition C has something in the background, but yeah, it's like an arena. Ah, okay. And I guess we now have, we now have images of what the, the store bonuses are. What's interesting. I mean, a lot, a lot of them is just that same art. Um, I think the, the, Osmart postcards or sticker sheet is is interesting because it has album cover art. So from including some of this, like uh, like the first and second album's special edition art mm-hmm. and toy store, the the toys factory store has um, postcards that are from the, uh, the they're basically the singles album art. Yeah, uh, which is those that those are pretty cool, actually. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Actually, the um, the, the, one of the uh, versions of this comes with um, ten sort of like slip covers for the for albums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've I've never quite understood that, but I mean, anyway, they're they're basically like twelve inch by twelve inch posters, I suppose. Ultimately, that are that are thick, and so you can't lay them flat. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't I don't really understand this because I don't I don't have twelve albums to put them on, and. I want to see the underlying art on the album too. So I don't know. I don't understand what the purpose of these is, but um, they're basically, it, it looks like they are inspired by, uh, well, there are 10 of them. So it's possible that they're inspired by some image from each era or something. It's not really clear what the, what the, the theme is, but a couple of them do are like, uh, like the special edition first or whatever it is, limited first press edition of the first album. Mm-hmm limited first press edition of the second album. But well, what's kind of strange about that them is that uh for the fir- for the first album one they they just kind of like superimposed modern photos of them over top of it. Yeah. And in general that's what they did for all of them. Just superimposed modern photos. But it's the the, the weirdest one is for the limited edition album art for the Metal Resistance album where there used to be three of them standing there <laughs> and now there are two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so. they can't I don't know. I mean, I, I I think that makes it. I think it's pretty clear that Yui is not available for any mm. any new material, and these are new. And they were we were told they were fresh, right, Kevin? You were saying that you yes. thought it was you know free range. <laughs> <laughs> they are free range photos. Yeah, hot, hot off the press. But so they 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 could not they could not have included Yui. But I think I, I sort of feel like I feel, I feel like they could have you know modified that one less. <laughs> Anyway, actually, they should have just stood in front of the people <laughs> so you couldn't see them behind them. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, 
and we only we don't see all of them. We can kind of guess at what some of them are, but they may they may have something to do with the episodes, or they may have something to do with just the years. I'm not sure, but there are ten of them. Hmm. I guess that's basically it for the the best album tracks. I mean, like you know, we we'll, we know that we'll get uh, a Blu-ray of those as well. Okay, so the, probably the biggest news, right? Is it the biggest news? Is the the Budokan yeah, ten? I guess. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's news. Is it big news? I don't know. Baby Metal has a long history of announcing that they're going to announce something at some point. <laughs> and don't. <laughs> <laughs> the actual announcement is. I don't know, Kevin. Are you still are you still unsure about what this means? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, and no. I get different answers from everybody I talk to. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So what they what they are announcing is ten something at Nippon Budokan in twenty twenty one. Yeah. So in twenty twenty one, they are going to be playing at Budokan again. They use a character in this in this announcement and everybody mimics this i mean it's on the poster it's in the natalie article it's in their announcement of it these are character for performance that is kind of unusual in this context so mostly people have assumed that what this means is and i think this is what i'm assuming too that it means they're going to play 10 times in budokan it's unclear what else it could be but it's still it's still possibly strange that they're using that that um, character and uh, apparently so Kevin you've consulted with Japanese speakers who also find that character weird and somewhat unclear yeah so so the confusion is it's common when you're describing a one show one performance come here to see this thing right mm-hmm. it's weird that they're saying 10 of these using that character yeah um, but maybe that makes it even clearer. Well, okay. So the, the one one thing that I I take on the side of there being ten shows is that they do say this is like a new big challenge for them, and uh, it wouldn't be a new big challenge if <laughs> if it was just playing the Budokan again. Yeah, I I don't think it's ten shows of Budokan. Okay. I think it's um something like the trilogy culminating in the Budokan. Hmm. That's interesting. That's an interesting take I had not thought of. Yeah. I'm just trying to, I was thinking of it logistically. I was like, okay, if you go look at the Budokan, it's pretty booked because it's Budokan. Even during COVID, if you look at it next year, there's a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Booking it for 10 shows, even if you do it 10 nights in a row, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of effing money for a music <laughs> yeah, into this. Like I, I would wager that that's more than it would have cost to put on Tokyo Dome by a, no, a non-insignificant margin. So I have yeah. a hard time believing that they booked the Budokan for ten shows. Yeah, well, and if it's late 2021, then Budokan probably isn't hurting for demand. Yeah, that too. Um, and, you know, and even if they spread it out, like the the logistics of that are just mind kind of mind blowing to me. Um. But it's big too. I mean, like, I mean, they're, they almost, uh, I, I, could they, could they fill 10 as a lot, as a big, big number? Budokan's actually not that big. Oh, maybe it's binary. Maybe there's just two shows. What? <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> maybe, 
<laughs> maybe it's maybe it's one zero. Maybe it's binary. Ah, yeah, one there you zero. go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Uh, that would be much more. You heard it here first. Comprehensible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Budokan is like a fraction the size of Tokyo Dome. So I think they could fill 10 <laughs> shows there. I think that's possible. I, mm-hmm. I just, I can't see him investing that much into booking the Budokan for 10 nights. Yeah. 10, 10 live nights, not including the time to set up teardown and all that stuff. Because, you know, once once the concert's set up, the Budokan can't do anything else there. So you're renting no. the thing for 240 hours. <laughs> right. right. Minimally. Yeah. Minimally. So, yeah, I just I don't see 10 shows of Budokan. I, I think I think we're going to see something like a tour of the country culminating in a weekend of Budokan or something. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I can think is that they do like to go big and ridiculous. <laughs> so... Um, this would be big and ridiculous. Yeah. But I could be totally yeah. wrong. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'd, how I'd feel about being wrong. Part of me would rather, I think, travel around and see more of Japan if I go. Well, right. I, I would go. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess. Yeah. Go ahead. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, it, it's cool, but. I, yeah, I, I don't. I think that's too much. If it were all ten of Budokan. Well, imagine, I mean, like, so you have to get independent tickets too, right? Yeah. So. Christ, geez. it would be expensive. The competition would be just ridiculous. They'd have to do a lottery, wouldn't they? Yeah, there will be one lotteries for sure. And if they were sensible, they'd do, I wonder if they would do a, like a lottery where what you get, what you, uh, what you enter for is a ticket for a night, you know? So like, Yeah. So one person doesn't get to go to every single one. Right. That, that's if it is 10, but... Until those tickets are flying around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Uh, I'm really curious to see what they're going to announce at yeah. RockMicon. Oh, did they say... Actually, did they say that they were going to give more details then? Maybe yeah, they did. They did, they yeah. Did. yeah at, at the okay. end of that performance, we're going to get more details on it. So we don't have to wait too long to get more information. Uh, whether that will be information that satisfies our curiosity is remains to be seen, still, I suppose. Does, still doesn't give us a date. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, it's worth mentioning, too, that it's one of the, uh, if you recall, on the uh, 10 Baby Metal Years website, there was a bunch of question marks of things mm-hmm. yet to be announced. This filled the spot of one of those things. Uh, yep. Which means there are four left. <laughs> there are four left, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forget there, there there were a couple of things that didn't fill that spot, like um, the um, whatever it is, the baby met da 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 didn't, and mm-hmm. um, whatever there are a couple of things, but yeah. So uh, the other things that are on there are the the best album, uh, the Rock Con show, um, the ten the quiz, the Evangelist quiz, the Katakawa volume, which we will eventually talk about, the songs tournament, and then uh, then the four remaining slots. So. And we actually, we, we still don't know, I don't think, the last thing of the best album either. Like, the there's one more version of the best album that nobody's bought yet. Oh, yeah. True. But, and you never know. <laughs> they may still be debating what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, surely okay. these remaining four items are more ways to take our money. <laughs> I'm sure they won't be free things. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Is, uh, is there anything else that... Uh, News-wise, we should talk about. 
No. No, I think we got it all. Okay. Yeah. In, so in, a, a lot. in a brisk 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah I was just looking at my timer and saying, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> um, this could have been an episode. <laughs> I wonder. It's conceivable it will be, but I, I, I don't know how to edit that together. So. so behind the scenes, we talked so long about the news that uh, we didn't actually get to the topic that we intended to talk about. And the topic was going to be the, um, the the Katakawa magazine book thing that came out and we all now have, and and in fact have some translations for. So we can just probably just dive right into that, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. It's it's really big. <laughs> so and that's it for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's um, uh, what did we decide? Two hundred twenty-eight, two hundred and uh, two hundred, yeah, almost two hundred thirty pages, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's got a lot of sections to it. So I mean, there's a bunch of like sort of interviews from people. There's messages from people. Uh, there's like the the thing that probably we are most interested in perhaps are these uh, spiritual messages, which are like a sequence of five interviews from, you know, yeah. Interviews with Sue metal, Mo metal and Koba metal. Uh, and they are very long um, or they take up, well, possibly the majority, at least half of this whole thing. But there's also, you know, cool photos of, of various things. And there's a, messages from artists there's um some interviews with people and things like that so i think um we have access to the english translations of a few things and a couple of things that were just originally in english so there's some messages from like slipknot and uh rob rob halford and stuff like that that were in, in english anyway um and i think so we can sort of maybe talk about those things that are in english uh does that seem good? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Sure. Okay. So we ha- we all have this in our hands after a bit of effort locating them. <laughs> but um so we I think we we can kind of we can kind of just sort of flip through it um and then talk about the things that the things that we have translations for or are just photos um on the way. Does that seem right? Yeah. And, and I guess we talked about the cover already. And I just flipped through my book really heavily, so enjoy editing that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. No, well, I mean, it's it's a what fully right. <laughs> yeah. So the the very first thing that's in here is a little um this they call it special gravure, um, which is basically just a little photo shoot of them. Any any thoughts on that? This is, I think, the best photo shoot they've done. Yeah. These photos are incredible. They're stunning. Well lit, interesting poses, unique, mm-hmm. new. They look like models. They crushed it. Yeah. Everybody really, involved crushed this photo shoot. They really do. Um, it is by far my favorite photo shoot. They are almost without exception, almost entirely without exception, very serious in these photos. Yeah. Yeah. There's one photo where Sue has kind of a smile. That is that is it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think my favorite ones are the ones where they they've got the veil over them. They're just so yes. so beautiful. It's such a, such a good idea. Yeah, props had a really fun dimension to. Portraits. Yeah, and like the added effects of like the little orbs that they got on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of photos yeah. of like little lasers and things. Yeah, and yeah. fire. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. not to say that the. Uh, 
you know the photos are like they look angry or mean or anything like they, they look like models you know it's that yes. kind of do, that blank yeah. that blank thousand yard stare into the camera mm-hmm. like i'm um, thinking something more important than you exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they're just so nat. they're so like natural yeah like you can you can see these in a vogue yeah that by itself was worth it i think yeah absolutely i would I would kill to have the digital versions of these for wallpaper. Oh, yeah. 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 And of course, there are a few that are split across the pages. So um, they it'll be hard to scan them. I mean, you could demolish the book and maybe scan them, but it would be nice to have an original digital version. Yeah, definitely. Then uh, the next thing that the next thing up is the table of contents, which has, you know, what you would expect in it um, <laughs> so we can probably move on uh now okay so the uh the first thing is the, the spiritual message from sue so the way these spiritual messages are organized is th- that uh basically they're they're covering they're covering arrows right so the they're in they're split into five arrows the first is like founding to 2014 and then the next errors are 2014, 15, 16, 17, 17, 18, and 1920. So not not too surprising. Uh, so essentially the idea is that the the discussion it focuses around the era that they're talking about. So this is Sue talking about the initial years, right? Uh, but, oh, yeah, maybe I'll also say that. So we have what we have available to us as far as translation go is uh, this. We have this deep L uh, service that has been. Um, sent a transcription that Lenzer did. And so Lenzer did this this fantastic thing, which is basically, um, I think, scanning and OCRing the um the articles and then and then fixing it so that the you know the actual Japanese is correct. So the transcription, we have a Japanese transcription of this, which is yeah, you know, n- nearly completely correct. Super helpful. Yeah. So then um so then we fed this to DeepL and Deep Health has, you know, it does a pretty good job. Um, I only became aware, actually, of Deep Health fairly recently. I don't know if it's how new it is, but uh, people have have basically considered it to be a step above Google Translate in a lot of cases. Yeah, definitely. So, so Sue talks a little bit about the uh, first time hearing Doki Doki Morning, finding it sort of confusing, and actually also some discussion about how it had um, evolved. Mm-hmm. But um, she mentioned that Magitsune, which is, of course, one of the early songs, uh, she considers that even now a challenging, like a, a song to practice, like that mm-hmm. it's still challenging to her. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I think she said that before. Yeah. Too. Because uh, it, it hits her entire range. She talked, I guess this this basically ended at Budokan. Mm-hmm. Um, so she talked a bit about um, having the dream of you know, being at Budokan uh, since she was small and it came true. I, th- I think she was also talking a, a bit about like how she, rec- she, she sort of recognized the view from her dream <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> uh, we actually have um, one other, one other person has done little fragments of translations of these articles. And the, there's a, there's a chunk in here where um, it was translated, you know, we see both the deep L translation and this other person's, but um Capable paramedic did a did a translation of this too, but um, I think DeepL actually did a pretty passable job. But it was talking about basically in uh, IDZ 
Sue getting losing track of the rhythm. Anecdotally, she mentions that uh, she remembers during IDZ she lost track of the rhythm, and then she had to listen back to the band, and she picked up on the snare drum to kind of figure out where she was again. I love I love little moments like that because it kind of humanizes them, right? Because from the crowd you wouldn't have known that, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I I think stuff like that is super interesting. And this whole this whole book is kind of filled with little little moments like that. Um, she also goes on to say that that moment was probably just an instant, but it felt like a really long time. Yeah. And it, it, they, there are a couple of places where, you know, errors of that sort were mentioned, uh, throughout here. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, I mean, you know, I, I think of them as essentially making no errors ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, it's really weird to to hear about these, and I like. No, I have not since reading this gone back and looked at any of these places where there are alleged errors. But I would I would be interested to know if I could see, you know, the moment where she was confused. <laughs> That's an interesting thought. That would be fun to go look at. Yeah. But um, yeah, she she definitely. Uh, I mean, she said basically that uh, this this sort of helped her realize the extent to which they're all kind of in this together. You know that. That it's not just, it's not just her, you know, leading UA metal and Moa metal. You know that mm-hmm. that the band is supporting all of them and and leading Sue as well. So, uh, she yeah she she talked about it as like being lost in a in in the fog in the forest <laughs> and being no. let out by the like the sunlight of the snare drum, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Imagery. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's see. So, in this in this section of the MOOC, we have uh, it's sort of switched to black and white, you know, just because it's, it's not a fully color glossy thing. So we're now in, in sort of like grayscale photos, but but we continue to have you know photo shoot photos and and uh, some images from. I mean, because they're grayscale, they're actually not great, but some images from Legend IDZ and um, some other stuff. I would call them newspaper quality. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's 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 actually quite a bit like what you would expect from a Hedabon magazine too. Yeah, they're they're organized like this a lot too. Uh, okay, and then so the next part is the spiritual message number one from Moa Metal. Honestly, well, okay, yeah, Moa is really something in this whole <laughs> this whole book. She's really personable and yeah. quite funny in this, I have to say. Yeah, it's pretty great. But um, so, I mean, they, they start talking about this, this the time when it started. And like she she sort of leads off by saying, well, you know, I was I was 10. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know what's going on. Um, she kind of she mentioned knowing this uh, anime um, uh, K-On. And I don't know K-On, but apparently it is it is. An anime from a manga that uh, has to do with basically like a bunch of a bunch of girls getting together and making a band called the Light Music Club, and I assumed or at least gathered that the you know heavy music club is you know just a sort of like a, a funny play on that, which of course is like the the Sakura Gakuin name for baby metal, John Boo, but I didn't but I didn't know Kaon before. It's a pretty funny little anime. I actually enjoyed it a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> a very different though, but it's because I, I've seen it. I, I think it's pretty funny because it's not even remotely related to anything baby metal. 
Mm-hmm. Like, so to, so to have that reference as her frame of mind going into this, I think is really pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I mean, way at the beginning, like the 2010 time, I mean, like they didn't, they didn't really know what they were going to be. Like, I mean, like, I think a lot of this stuff came into focus quite a bit later. So it was all, all, everything was puns on, on, you know, existing cultural stuff <laughs> or, or on like, the, yeah. Yeah. Well, like the name baby metal coming from heavy metal. Um, and you know, like the heavy music club coming from the light music club, <laughs> mm-hmm. which probably everybody knew, you know, everybody, uh, you know, sort of, of either in or the target audience of Sakura Gakuin. Yeah, uh, K-On! was pretty popular when it mm-hmm. aired. Uh, it aired about 10 years ago, actually, I think. Yeah, so my guess is right. It was probably in the in the air at the yeah. time. Yeah, And I guess they... they uh, so Ma talked a little bit also about um, the live band. You know, so I, I guess, the, you know, this because this is the era that was ending in 2014, that's kind of like the end of that is when the live, the commie band, you know, started joining them. And uh, Moa said that that made a big difference, that it made her mm-hmm. her dance feel crisper. I don't know what crisper means, but that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she did say, uh, th- th- like, she jumped into the present a bit, um, talked about, how, like, how they've gotten stronger, they've been sort of more able to deal with problems. And she mentioned, she mentioned, uh, being unfazed by an audience member on the stage. I don't actually remember that ever happening. I don't remember that ever no, happening. Who was that? So if anybody knows when and where that happened, let us know. Yeah. Cause I mean it sounds to me like it was something like a stage diver or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, from the days of old <laughs> when you could actually be up against the stage and not right. f- many feet away. But um but apparently, you know, according to Mo's report, they just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> they were freaked out, but they just kept going. Um, and uh, she also said, I would like, uh, recently at overseas shows, uh, things can fly in the air. <laughs> um, and she was basically saying, yeah, but we just perform anyway. Um, of course, that's a bit scary. So we want people to be careful. Don't throw things. And in fact, she, I'd like to take this opportunity to say, throwing dame is a tie. <laughs> 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 which is which is great. I you know I actually had to go back and like consult the Japanese, and that's in, in fact what she said. You know, she used, used, she used the IDZ construction there, <laughs> and you can just picture her doing this. Like I would love to see this in video, but I mean, you, you know, she turns to the camera. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great with a smirk <laughs> on her face. This would have been a great video interview. <laughs> yeah, very funny. Uh. Let's see. She also talked a bit about um, the. Let's see. Where was it? Uh, the song four. So continuing on the on the delightfulness of Moa theme. <laughs> um, yeah. Because I think the interview asked about the fact that that you know she's sort of credited with creating it. Um, she talked. She talked about it. It's just being like fun and you know, like playful and um, and she was mentioning that that Moa and Sue were talking the other day about like not forgetting that playful spirit and and Moa says I want to make another song like that. And she, she, so she said, I've always been good at making 
making up songs like that. I want to have super Vita theme and then I will improvise around it. It could be a song about food. <laughs> Maybe a song about, and she says karage, which um, is like Japanese fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so she, so she says, okay, well, it could be like, you know, karage no uta, right? So the song of fried chicken. And then she just like, and then, you know, in the, in the interview has tried transcribed her repeatedly laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I would love to see it. So I'm hoping, I wonder if there's any chance that we actually get to see this on the, um, the, the one edition or the, whatever it is, the, um, uh, what do you call that? The, the main, the one edition of, of, um, the oh, best interesting. Album. I hadn't thought of that. What if it is just this interview recorded? Yeah. That'd be kind of nice because then we know what they say. <laughs> I mean, rather than <laughs> never understanding it. Yeah. Uh, she also talked about Budokan. And yeah. how it was a traumatic experience for her. Um, if you recall, she hurt herself. Um, she mentions, uh, not by remorse, but she answers herself and it hurt and constra- constrained her movements. One day I'll be able to stand at Budokan again with a happy heart and rewrite Aww. memories of the past. It took the interviewer by surprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, the interviewer left that left that note in. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, this is supposed to be a happy, fun thing. And now you're talking about how Budokan was traumatic. And you want to, you want to overwrite that memory. <laughs> so it's, it does, it actually does show, you know, Moa being kind of deep as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so one day, I, one day I'll be able to stand at Budokan again with a happy heart and rewrite my memories of the past, uh, which now that we know that they are planning to do that, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, there are a couple of places where I think they, they kind of uh, foreshadowed things. Or things were foreshadowed. Mm-hmm. We like the Budokan shows, but happily they'll be able to rewrite it. <laughs> yes. I can see that. Actually, that does come up a little bit uh, elsewhere, too. This this kind of like redo <laughs> mentality of places where things didn't go well or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. So uh, then I guess the next thing is the spiritual message from Koba Metal on this on this first part. Um, and so let's see, where's that? So this is, this is of course, I don't know, it's a little bit more behind the scenesy, which is fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found it pretty interesting. I think I knew. So the first thing that the first note I took was that, um, I mean, he basically just started off by talking about the prehistory and the fact that both mini Patti, which I don't know if we've actually talked about here, but anyway, it's another, it's a, another Sakura Gakuin group that. Yui and Moa were in, um, eventually, not, not at this eventually, point, but, yeah. um, but it was, you know, it was basically, Mini Pati was one of the clubs in Sakura Gakuin, like the heavy music club was. And, uh, it turns out according to Koba, they existed and we knew Mini Pati existed before, but Bay Metal also existed before Sakura Gakuin. I, I had kind of liked the, the kind of like the fantasy of they came up with the school theme first and then the idea of clubs and then spun people off into clubs which is kind of the way I think you're supposed to think about it, but mm-hmm. it's not actually the reality of it. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, Sue had just gotten finished with Karen girls and they were trying to figure out what to do with her. Um, and I think that was, you know, that was sort of like they came up with the big metal idea based on her, the idea that that would be sort of more different. There was, there was already kind of an, a feeling of experimentalism in the air anyway, but um, Kobo was trying to find something that would be kind of like, it would get attention, it would be different, it would be shocking, and would be suitable for Sue, who has a kind of a different kind of voice. Uh, what, did he, what did he say? 
a like a big voice. <laughs> I think is what he said she had. <laughs> yeah, and I think he said something in there that made me think that um, uh, like basically once he came up with the name, he knew this was going to be something. <laughs> I just love that name. I I just can't get over how cool that is that that he just took heavy metal and and you know changed the first consonant. <laughs> yeah, genius. Yeah, Koba says that metal is like a religion, and that he used to be a metal elitist. Um, but then, but then, kind of stepped back to look look at the thing, and and um, was impressed by kind of like the diversity that there was, and so he thought it would really would be interesting to have have a group like you know Bay Metal come in from some other angle and connect with all the all the sort of diverse subgenres. So, and that is of course exactly what the first album is for sure. Basically, just trying to touch all the genres, and that that's kind of mm-hmm. I guess that what they've kept doing. He mentioned Rock My Con being a sacred place for metal, which I guess we've heard about, but so he, he, he was, he was, he definitely had it in his mind, you know, he wanted to start this there. I don't know. I found Kova's sections, I guess, interesting a little bit, but nothing really earth shattering. Like it was all just kind of stuff he'd said before. And in fact, we've talked about before. So in other words, maybe we can skip over this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Unless you can think of something that was really truly earth shatteringly new that he said, I don't, I don't think we really learned anything <laughs> from yeah. him. No. I think it's true that, that we did, we did talk about a lot of the same stuff. Um, when we did like the Koba episode, every once in a while I do look up, look that up, you know, a long, long time ago, surprisingly long ago, we did an episode on interviews with Koba. It, it always feels yeah. to me like it was recent, Yeah, but I look and it's like episode eight or something like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think you know he uh, he mentions in here being influenced by uh, Sekima two and Demon Kaka and stuff, um, which I think we mentioned more recently than that. But there are things I think in in the the Koba parts later, um, there are interesting things like when when we get to the the modern era. But yeah, so the the actual next thing that's in the volume is something that we don't have a translation for so we'll mostly skip over it but i'll mention it it's basically a reflection from umizawa naoyuki and tomonori shiba who um umizawa naoyuki is the uh editor-in-chief of hedabon so ume metal right that we learned of before from the much maligned youtube series right (laughs) and um and also shiba metal tomonori shiba who has written um at least written for billboard.com uh like about baby metal but also i think just an interviewer of them so they have a they have a, a little thing in here you know multiple page i don't know what it is four five six i don't know eight ish page um thing which someday we'll know about <laughs> i don't know what it says but at the moment but um so because we don't have a transcription of that but it's neat it's nice that that they were doing something so that so we'll hear from the head of bond editor at some point who I think is the more important of those two, which seems kind of mean. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm mostly impressed by the fact that that you know this guy started a magazine because nobody was covering baby metal. <laughs> so, okay. So the next thing is the the um, 2014 2015 era spiritual message two, um, starting with Sue Metal. So Sue tells the story about Sonosphere. I, I think we have heard this before. Um, in- in various different interviews and things like that. Uh, but at Sonosphere, they didn't really know what to expect. I peeked out from behind the curtains, apparently at the wrong angle, and didn't see anything but an empty field. It seemed like there should be at least have been 10 people from Japan who came to see us. 
Um, we resolved to do our best, even if nobody was there to see it. But then it turned out there were actually a lot of people there. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite hilarious, though. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, there's like 10,000 people here. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but imagine the, the roller coaster that you have if you look out and it's like, oh, nobody came. <laughs> I guess we can do this anyway. Yeah. yeah. That has never happened. <laughs> Uh, I like that there's a one just a one liner from Sue in the middle of this um, that Paul pulled out and just says, we stand out quite a bit in the catering areas. (laughs) (laughs) Just made me laugh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I, I could just see visualize that they're sort of like the way Sue was talking about it. They're kind of like standing back where all the bands, you know, congregate backstage and and uh, uh, like kind of pitching their show it's like uh, come see our yeah. show you know yeah it's at 3 p.m on this stage uh-huh come see <laughs> it's, us that's what i think of there's a there's a kind of a lore about the or maybe it's actually just plain true about the the edinburgh uh french festival where like that's that's what you do like you like half of it is like going there trying to convince people to go see your show uh-huh <laughs> but so but yeah i could see that they they would kind of <laughs> you could find them in a crowd <laughs> yeah um, they also talked to, uh, this is a, the section when they were talking about touring with, um, the opening for Lady Gaga. Um, and so, and Ma has some delightful stuff about that as well, but, mm-hmm. um, but they all basically said that they were super well, um, taken care of and they were super impressed with, with working with her. So. She was very impressive. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things I thought that was pretty cool that Sue mentioned was, uh, when they were backstage, I guess their dressing room was right next to. Gaga's or Gaga's dancers or something like that. Mm. Um, and at some point during the tour, they got invited to join and stretch and get ready for their shows with them. Um, and I think they both mentioned that uh, they both struggled to do all the exercises and stretches correctly. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool that they, I mean, like, you know, so they got a chance to work with you know, someone who has had a lot more experience in, in the professional end of this. Mm-hmm. So, I think in this section, Sue also took credit for the idea of the the, the gondola that they rode around in in the one. Um, <laughs> she said that she wanted uh, to fly. Right. Oh. Yeah. So. Koba basically asked what they wanted to do. And Sue says, I want to fly. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Sue was talking a fair bit about like like sort of connections with the audience at various points. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that she said about that was that it actually... Uh, and I can see this, it, like it actually sort of allowed her to see the people in the audience better. You know, she could see the faces in the crowd from the gondola. Right. Um, and even, you know, so even at a small venue, you know, if you're, you could sort of see the people, but they're all jumbled up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're looking down on them, then they're, then you can see them. Well, and with all the lights, you can only see three or four rows deep anyway. I'm sure that's also true. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it's, I, I think I can totally imagine she's right that, you know, she had, that is the one time when they've really had a chance to see the audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she talked a little bit about road of resistance, um, that they, you know, she sort of feels like they rebuild that it's, it's a song that they construct every time they, they play it. Just kind of an interesting take on it, but I'm not sure exactly what she meant by that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that's a translation thing or just Sue being Sue. Yeah, I kind of took it to be the latter. 
Yeah, I actually I found this too. translation fairly readable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very readable. But you never know. Sometimes it can get a it can get some things wrong. Yeah. When it's interpreting a, a kanji. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how I, what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but she did. I mean, she she talked about it for a bit. I mean, like it. Uh, it's it wasn't just a, a one off thing. You know, she's. I don't know. I think. I mean, I think it is. She is giving us kind of her impressions of how this is performed and how these things feel, and um, even if there's not that much to it, you know, that's kind of like how she visualizes it. Right. I think we can probably move on to Moz. Once again, we you know, like <laughs> there's more to talk about with Moz, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there is. But but okay, so yeah, this is this is now uh, Ma talking about. Basically, Sonosphere trilogy, Tokyo Dome. Um, uh, no, where is this? Where does this end? This ends in uh, 2015, so not quite Tokyo Dome. Um, although she talks about it a bit, but um, okay. So, oh, this this also included her um, uh, birthday show in Cologne. Mm-hmm. Literally, the first thing she says: "I've seen these places in a textbook." <laughs> talking about <laughs> yeah. going to Cologne and Paris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So she was excited to go travel overseas and see these places. Yeah. This was, I'm sure, a really big deal trip for them, you know. Oh, totally. Seeing all these places. Um, and So I, it's possible that I interpreted this a little bit, but I think I understood what she was saying. That she, was she, you know, she talked about what she found different about people overseas. Um, they're bigger, <laughs> they're different size, <laughs> and they have tattoos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She like the um, the deep L translation was that they were they had graffiti. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty hilarious. But I think that was what she was referring to, and she actually may have been making a like a joke as well. I mean, like she may have said essentially graffiti, <laughs> but I, mean, I think what she was referring to was tattoos. And I guess that has something to do with the people that they would run into in metal festivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, so the interviewer was kind of guiding her through some of this stuff. So um, uh, she was brought, the you know, att- her attention was brought to the, her um, cologne show where she was, you know, her her 15th birthday show where um, she got to sing Headbanger. So She wasn't nervous at all. She uh-huh. remembers enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the show was the day before her birthday. Her birthday mm-hmm. is July 4th. Um, and then after that show, I guess they were flying. They were on a plane. But so she pointed out that her birthday that year was 25 hours long due to like flying over a time yeah. zone. <laughs> Written in her schedule book that it was 25 hours long. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just to even notice that. Uh-huh. Oh, and okay. So here's another error that I think people had talked about this before. Like, I feel like I had heard about this before, but apparently at Sonosphere, the, um, the, the monitors, the in-ear monitors weren't working uh, at the beginning. And eventually, like about halfway through, they managed to get it going. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like this isn't the first time I'd heard about that. But I mean, again, it's one of those things I want to go back and look at. Right. <laughs> to, to see. Um, okay. So does anyone want to talk about the the hair? Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So when they supported Lady Gaga... Moa says that Lady Gaga is super famous and it's said that she only sees her support acts once, but she came to watch Baby Metal many times. She was very kind and helpful and every time we saw her, her hair was a different colour. 
Also, a bit <laughs> of her hair got caught in my glove. I still have that. <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> <laughs> just, to be honest, I would as well. I'd keep it. <laughs> oh, so funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like to, I like to think that uh, she's got like a Beauty and the Beast, you know, with the rose and like the, yeah. the glass dome. It's a little thing. Of who knows Gaga what hair. other things that she has that she's collected <laughs> over the years? <laughs> yeah. Again, I can. The thing is, I can totally picture this interview taking place again, mugging for the camera a little bit, or like looking slightly embarrassed while she Breaking says, the fourth wall. <laughs> but then delightfully, like I still have this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like not embarrassed at all. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> well, there's one thing that was that uh, was a little bit confusing in there that, that came up, um, you know, when people were first looking at this translation. Uh, you know, most talking about Road of Resistance because they they premiered it, in a, uh, I think, O2 Academy Brixton. But um, she's she felt like she kind of identified with it because from in this time period, 2014, 2015, she was working as a warrior trainer. And I don't know what a warrior trainer is what? a translation of exactly. <laughs> huh. Um, I was thinking maybe what that meant is that she was like taking martial arts or something. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, maybe. That seems kind of sensible too. I could imagine Ma doing that. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I think we have a like a open class, the photos from an open class from Sakura Gagwin, I think, right? <laughs> of them doing some kind of like do, yeah. stick training. <laughs> Kendo. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I, I refer to I would prefer to refer to it as stick training, but feel free to use the actual word. <laughs> um she mentioned that Yava was actually uh very the choreography was hard to remember. It was it was fast and tough and it expanded her her, her range as a performer. She observed she noticed something about the geography of the, the trilogy shows. So th- this is highlighted on the Tokyo Dome video. But, but essentially, the trilogy shows were organized in such a way. They have one was at the Saitama Super Arena, right? One was at Makahari Messi. One was at the Yokohama Arena. First of all, S, M, and Y, right? Yes. Um, but also in the center of that is the Tokyo Dome, geographically. <laughs> yes. So, um, which is amazing. I mean, like Koba pulls off some fairly amazing, like numerology level stuff. <laughs> Has anybody actually done that and actually drawn a straight line between each venue to see if it does hit Tokyo Dome? I just trusted the the <laughs> opening video on the Tokyo Dome show. I mean, it's close. It, it's it, it's close. I'd be curious to see if it actually hit it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the fact that the fact that he managed to get an S venue, an M venue, and a Y venue to do that is <laughs> just insane. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, yeah, so so Mo was impressed by that. Uh, she said it, it gave her goosebumps. Um and they were they traveled they did they played in um in Mexico. Koba mentions this too. Um but uh and Mo mentions that uh, <laughs> she took a lot of photos of uh, like she was reviewing her photos from that time and uh she found that she took a lot of photos of orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> so on brand yeah (laughs) took a lot of photos of orange juice in mexico generally i learned about culture via food i'm in charge of the food i don't really miss japanese food really except for my mother's rice (laughs) oh she's definitely a foodie yeah yeah (laughs) 
and and uh, and a collector too. She's uh, she's very mm. pleased about the collection of country stamps in her passport. Yeah. yeah, she's just very clearly like you know just wants to like meet everybody and make friends with everybody. Yeah, mm. she clearly loves traveling as well. Mm. As long as there's food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that that uh, showed up in in her part here that that got some comments, you know, when the translations were new, is the fact that uh, Ma revealed that they, you know, just to practice for outside shows, they would just go to the park and rehearse. Yeah. <laughs> Overseas uh, and in Japan. Yeah, wild. Imagine seeing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's oh, insane to me. Yeah. But, you know, because they're out of costume, out of makeup. Um, Probably got face masks on as well. Oh well, that's also true. Mm-hmm. Actually, I hadn't thought about that, but I mean, like even even in the in the previous world, they might have. Yeah, mm-hmm. they tend to. Don't they? To build stamina, we'd go to the park between tours and rehearse. The three of us used to practice in the park together, both overseas and in Japan, taking used to outdoor environments and direct sunlight. Yeah, it's just wild to me. <laughs> but so, if you saw them, I mean, like you might you you might think that like, here's a little you know group doing a dance cover. Yeah, I just. <laughs> I don't know. It's really endearing picturing like Sue with a boombox on her shoulder, walking up to the park, plopping it down in the grass and hitting play. And then here <laughs> yeah. they go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and of course in my, in my head, then, you know, the next thing that happened is that the tape got eaten, but of course this is a, this is probably an era <laughs> well beyond tapes. Yeah. <laughs> but back in the olden days, gather around children. <laughs> there used to be a uh, audio tapes. Um, I think that was that. That was mainly it. They, she talked about them being all together all the time, including over Christmas that year. The beginning of the strengthening mm-hmm. bonds. <laughs> anyway, so um, next part is Cobra Metal. Uh, I think we we you know have decided that we're not going to spend a lot of time on on Cobra Metal. Um, he did he did kind of reveal from a back behind the scenes pr- perspective that uh, basically once they found an open date at Budokan that determined the schedule of the album release. Cause the album came out just before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said it's, it was, it was pretty hard <laughs> to put that together Yeah, <laughs> to try to, to try to, so he, he did say that he wanted there to be like a story and the, you know, he, he wanted it to be kind of telling a, a story that evolved from night one to night two. And uh, so that meant changing the set and changing the performance and, uh, I think both the set list and the set. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they added railings on the second night. Well, right, exactly. For example, <laughs> one one change to the set. <laughs> um, he did talk a little bit about, like, you know, initially Gimme Chocolate, that video, you know, went viral and got some overseas buzz. And he talked about using, like, trying to reply to people using Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I can under, I can. I can sympathize with, but it does feel like, yeah, you know, somebody at Amuse should be able to do this for him. Yeah, <laughs> you would think. This really is, it, it, you know, there are aspects of this that really does seem like, you know, it's it's a it's a the project of a couple of people in a garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, we've always known that they are pretty autonomous. Amuse just kind of lets them do whatever they want. Uh, oh, he, I guess he mentioned that you know he was very pleased to go to Mexico because that's where. Uh, Lucha Libre uh, is in a sacred place for professional wrestling. So <laughs> he and the staff all went to watch a professional wrestling show while they were down there. 
So flipping through, the next thing we have is a special interview with Yoshiki from Extrapan, which we do not have a translation of, so someday we might. Um, and now we take a break to bring you to photo galleries and things. So um, as we go through the uh, the pages here, we, the first thing we have is the um, Legend of a Baby Metal Apocalypse Part 1, 2012 to 2015. And it just shows a, little, a bunch of little photos. Yeah, and I don't Anything. think it's photos we haven't seen before. Yeah, I think I think I can identify most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is mildly sad, but you know, so it goes. <laughs> uh, so we can see them. I think the first one is at at Rockmicon. Um, and then you know it goes on. You can see them in in, in white at Legends E and in their sort of uh, which was the, which one was the one where they where um. Black Bay Metals dressed up in the little Christmas outfits. Uh, Legend D, I think. E. Oh, 97. 97. Legend 97. Yeah. Uh, I, I could tell that by reading the, the thing that says <laughs> right next to the picture <laughs> that I was looking at. For. Next interesting thing is the Big Metal T selection. Yeah. So it, it's, I, I, this I thought was cool. Um, it is basically... Uh, I don't know what ten-page review or something of all of their official T-shirts. Because it's not all of them, is it? Well, I was going to ask that. Do you, does anybody there's know? The um, the red mass like chibi design T-shirt isn't there? The one where it's it's kind of like them. One of them's curling their hair and kind of like doing their makeup. It's very very rare. Hmm. It, yeah, that was only sold at the red mass. I think the first red mass show they did. I see. Yeah. Okay. It's going for over £200 on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I am not... I, I can't... Oh, um, I'll link it on the chat. Okay, yeah. I can't imagine it, but I actually am not... I have not been collecting the shirts, and I'm not super uh, knowledgeable about them. Um, it is the one I am dying for. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it is interesting say, to see them. Go ahead. I wouldn't have noticed... A missing shirt, I don't think, because it looks like I thought it was all of them until Callie just mentioned the one was missing. Well, I got it. But so if if one is missing, then there's always the risk that several are missing. Yeah, that's what yeah, I exactly. thought. And there's actually um, one on there that I had no idea. I've never seen before. It was the um, Baby Metal Deathmatch Tour 2013. That's on the second page. Mm-hmm. It's like a Triforce with an eye in the middle. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever I've seen never that seen before. that. Also, the Loud Park 13. I've never seen that one before. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen yeah. those either. I think the rest I've seen. Oh, how do I attach? Ah, like, yeah, some of these. I, I, I think I would like to get the Legend 1999 one. <laughs> um, there you go. I, I hadn't seen that before either. It, it sort of looks like other ones, but it, mm. it isn't the same. And of course, you know, like the later ones, of course, um, we've had some reprinted as well. So, yeah. But anyway, I guess if you want to know if yours is official, if you can find it in here, it is. I should look in the other book I have that has all the merchants in it. And the one for the, the Palladium one is nice. No. No, it's not nice. No, it's nice, but that's not what I'm thinking of. Okay. 
<laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I think we're somehow talking <laughs> about different things, but um, yeah. So I mean, basically, the, the shirts I have are all are essentially like you know the, the twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen ones, and that's about and and the reprinted ones from the streams. Oh yeah. So, but yeah, it's cool. It's I mean, this thing is not actually very big that I'm holding in my hand. But it's smaller than the letter size. Slightly bigger than Hedabon, I think. Uh, so the next thing uh, is the um, you know the the third era interviews. So this is um, what 2016, 2017. Uh, and we start with Sue. There's another couple sort of behind the scenes kind of things here. She starts by talking about karate and and you know having a strong emotional attachment and actually feeling somewhat embarrassed about like <laughs> the the theatricality of the choreography until they started playing it live. But it's true. They, they probably get to act in that song more than any other. So she said something that I don't think I understood entirely. Maybe, maybe we know this, but she said after the first song at Wembley, there was, there was, she felt a weird vibration coming from under the stage and she found it hard to stand up. <laughs> what was the first song, by the way? Do we know? What was, what, what did Wembley start well, with? Wembley, Baby Metal Death. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah. And then it was um, Awadama Fever and then Ine. Okay. Yep. So I wonder I wonder if there's any way to see what she's talking about. And it, it, it is unclear. I think it was even unclear to her in the interview whether this was something that she was, you know, shaking herself, like feeling internally, mm. or whether the actual mechanics of the stage were shaking. <laughs> so many things to go back and look at. Yeah. So I do want to, I do want to look at this again to see if, if there's any evidence of this because i certainly never saw anything (laughs) apparently wembley was really tougher than we thought yeah i had no idea that they actually were disappointed about it which was just just crazy because it was such a big show yeah um and i think of it as like a a really kind of like a highlight show that i yeah i would show to people and stuff Mm. um but sue talked about being being pretty you know like scared for the first three songs yeah yeah, she said that you and Mo were hugging and crying afterwards, but not because they were so overwhelmed with a comp- accomplishment, but because they were it seemed frustrated and disappointed. But maybe yeah. they didn't do their best, or they didn't feel the crowd. Well, I don't know. Yeah, and Mo does talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, but, she um, does. Yeah, you know, and I think, and I, I believe Mikiko also did. Mm. And what's weird is that you know, like it, <laughs> again, it seemed like flawless yeah mm-hmm. sue talked a little bit about the fact that um you know as as they started to become more known and like they didn't they didn't they had they had more than their initial just sort of like shock value of existing um that the the sort of bar started getting raised you know people started expecting them to be good and mm-hmm. so they had to be like even better and she talked a little bit about doing the the, the music awards where with Rob Halford, where they did the you know the the joint, the singing of whatever it is, painkiller and breaking the law. So Sue talked about how she'd never sung with anyone, and particularly you know not a cover of someone else's song, uh, and she didn't really know what she was supposed to do, and kind of hung back, and you know Rob was sort of like encouraging her to come forward and you know participate more and he was really nice and she noted that he's uh he's so old <laughs> she was she was i mean it was it was sort of in passing but it was kind of like you know she, she was kind of impressed that somebody like is so old with 
be like this. Um, and I think the thing that I thought was funny is that uh, Koba also says this. I, like, I, I don't think of him as being that old, but everybody in Babe Metal seems to think of him as like a, an actually elder statesman. I think maybe it's not so much about age. Maybe it's more of a, uh, a respectful because he's been around. He's been doing this forever. Yeah. A respect of age. I think I think that probably is the right interpretation, but it still jumped out as me as funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it was a, it was a like a, a short lived theme there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I was gonna go back and look at, look at this, and then I didn't. But in the Tokyo Dome first night, where did they appear? Did they appear at the top, or did they appear at the end of the runways? They appeared at the very top. At the I top know. for yeah, very resistance. Okay. And then on the crosses of each runway for the second night. Okay, yeah, that's what, that's partly what I couldn't remember. But Sue was, you know, one of the things that she was reminded of when she talked about this was how like the audience was kind of annoyed with themselves for not seeing them appear. Like, you know, Babe Metal appeared in a place where they weren't expecting them to be, mm-hmm. and so which which caught the audience off guard and made them annoyed with themselves, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Like. You know, I think she delighted in that. <laughs> and one one thing that is kind of, um, I think, of a standout thing about the Tokyo Dome performance was the performance of Tales of the Destinies, which is like this freakishly complicated song. Mm-hmm. I knew that they must have spent a long time, you know, practicing it and stuff like that. But they did, you know, that that was, everybody talked about this song. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Sue says the, the song didn't have a rhythm. Well, it has one, but... It, it, but it doesn't. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. So the choreography is super, super difficult. They spent a long time working on it. And so this was the part that just blew me away. I, and I don't even know how to understand it even. But she said about 10 seconds into the song, I lost track of it. I lost track of the sound for almost the whole song, which is really frustrating. <laughs> I mean, it's a super complicated song to begin with. And it sounds like she lost the click track. I think and, it's not so much that it was a technical problem; it's that she um, she lo- she lost the beat in her head. It could. Well, that's, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I interpreted that. Yeah, I wonder. It, it sounded to me like she just plain lost the sound, but it could be that she lost she lost track of where she was or something. I did. I, you know, I watched this. I watched this a lot. You know, I'd, I've never seen a particular error mm-hmm. in it. So what I thought it was very funny, like she she ended in this like weirdly fierce note. It caused her to be afraid to perform it because there's a high chance of failure. It's a big, it's a complicated song. But on the other hand, I'm frustrated with the song and I want to get revenge on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Heck with you, song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so and I mean it was it, again it seemed flawless. So. That was, I guess that was the main stuff I wanted to say. There's there's a little there's a little kind of weirdness about um, the Big Fox Festival that the interviewer kept trying to to push. I don't know if we want to talk about that either. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, we're kind of we're kind of getting into the interesting parts. Yeah. I think the thing about the Big Fox Festival is that that was the that was like UE Metal's last appearance, right? And so the interviewer kept asking. I guess he didn't. Uh, I don't know if the interviewer asked Koba this, but definitely asked Sue and Mo like. Okay, so now that you know that UA Metal's gone, does that bring an added significance to the Big Fox Festival for you? And they both said, what? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's pretty funny. They're both like, <laughs> no, it's, it means exactly what it used to mean. So they, in a way, they didn't take the bait, I guess. But um, <laughs> it was just pretty weird, actually. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really interpret it as a dismissal of UA Metal, but they did, but they basically just didn't decide to add extra weight to that show. Mm-hmm. Sue says it was the final show of the Fox festivals. It was also the last time of the three of us, but there's no new meaning to be added to it. Uh, and, and partly that's notable because the, the interviewer did the same thing to Moa and Moa did the same thing in response. Uh, so the next thing, the next thing is Moa Metal's um, spiritual message three, uh, where, where we're talking about um, metal resistance and the one, and uh, yeah, so basically, it's talking about the fact that there's an English version and a Japanese version, and usually they they scheduled it for like where they were playing, but they did sing the English version intentionally in Japan at one point. Uh, but she she said something which I thought was a little amusing, which is that um, so she said the song has the spirit of one for all, all for one, which was popular popular in rugby, and the lyrics have a Japanese feel. <laughs> I thought, what rugby? Rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, like there's, I had no idea that Ma even really knew what rugby was, but apparently she follows it enough. She follows it much more closely than like the Three Musketeers. Yeah. The, the first thing, the first place she thinks of one for all and all for one coming from is rugby. <laughs> so anyway, um. So yeah, so she does. She does actually. Ma kind of like flips back and forth between this, this, this like you know playful and serious side. But so, so she did say, you know, again, kind of, I think somewhat surprisingly, you know, the the truth is, I wasn't happy about the Wembley show. We practiced, but something just wasn't reaching us. Not sure why that happened, but both you and I felt the same way. Both frustrated by it. That's so crazy to me. Yeah, mm. that they were both hugging and crying backstage for some reason. Right. But and it, not you know, because they just accomplished something. Yeah, yeah it, and even Sue was like, "The hell, guys! What? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> it was so good. I don't understand." Yeah. Uh, but anecdotally, too, just to, from what I remember reading it, you didn't call it out, but um, mm-hmm. I think Sue had mentioned at that point, um, saying something to the effect of, "Wow, they really are like twins." Oh yeah, right. <laughs> After she saw them both crying, right. Yeah. Ma also talked a little bit about, you know, interacting with Rob Halford, singing along with him backstage. And apparently he gave Ma a bracelet as a gift. And Ma said that they hung out more than Ma had expected. You know, that they were sort of like, I guess Rob just like, you know, <laughs> found them amusing to hang out with and spent mm-hmm. a lot of time with them. I don't know when, actually. I mean, I guess this must have been just like festivals, <laughs> generally. It wasn't really clear what she when she was talking about. Yeah, and I guess Tokyo Dome is in this part. So uh, Mo basically said she expected to be nervous about Tokyo Dome and then wasn't <laughs> after all, and mentioned being very close to the ceiling, which I guess you know from the very like at the very top of the mm-hmm. Tokyo Dome stage, which that is so high. That's really freaky. <laughs> I, whenever I see that, <laughs> just how tall that is. Uh huh. I think somewhere somewhere it was mentioned that it's like six or seven stories high. You know, it's, it's like, it's, it's really big. way up there. And uh, she also talks about uh, Tales of the Destinies also. You know, she just, you know, she doesn't know if she's getting the rhythm right or not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, it's, you know, you can understand it in a small rehearsal, but once you get to the Tokyo Dome, the sound bounces all around and she doesn't know what she's listening to, um, what everybody else is listening to, what everyone else is dancing to. You just have to just do it 
by muscle memory, basically. Yeah. Um, and she said she she tried. Actually, the other thing that was kind of interesting and a little bit more behind the scenes is like you know she she talked about trying to dance it recently and just gave up. It's like she can't, she <laughs> can't do it anymore. But the other thing is that uh, they actually experimented with a bunch of different possible choreographies, and she doesn't even remember what the actual one is. <laughs> <laughs> These poor people. It's amazing. It's amazing that they can manage to produce something this apparently flawless mm-hmm. given given like how last second and, and uh um you know sort of complicated all the organiza- organization is they, she talked a little bit about the hanging out at the support shows with with all the the amazing people they were supporting um and repeatedly both uh, i mean maybe this is just a japan thing but um both moa and koba referred to the red hot chili peppers as lechley hmm. <laughs> Um, which took a little, huh. like it took me a while to figure out what was going on in the translation. But that's, but that's who they were. They're the you know, red hot chili papers all 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 smashed into a couple syllables. Interesting. Okay, I wonder if they have something similar for "Bring Me the Horizon," because that's uh, also extraordinarily long to say. Maybe. Yeah, she. I mean, she though did kind of go on a little bit about how how kind of like friendly they are with the red hot chili peppers. They're hanging out with flee all the time and chad the drummer always came to visit backstage and and mo was surprised about him driving dressing up as like a commie band member oh that's so funny <laughs> yeah we have this this uh very nice footage from you know some show where chad as chad metal is <laughs> uh, presenting a birthday cake to sue yeah who i guess wasn't expecting it nice. <laughs> or at least no. she acted very well <laughs> I just want to mention that they do go, she goes, talks about the five Fox festivals and big Fox again, again, doesn't really add any significance to big Fox. Um, but she did mention that she really likes red Fox, the all female audience because oh, yeah. it smells good. Yeah. It's <laughs> like dancing in a bed of flowers. <laughs> that was very funny. Uh, yeah. I forgot about that. I, I, yeah. Mom, I was just, I don't know. <laughs> it really does seem like she would be just hilarious to let, to hang out with. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So the next the next thing is Koba, uh, Koba on this era. Uh, he talked a bit about just how difficult Wembley was, you know. So I guess in a way, um, he didn't say quite the same thing about like not being super happy about it. He he in fact I think said um, you know I think we did pretty well, <laughs> but um, but everything was different. The ticket sales, the venue setup, and not not much preparation time. Um, longest show in the history of the band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, talked a little bit about the Colbert show, but basically just, you know, the staff was very professional and the sound was great. And the Tokyo Dome was a was a goal achieved. So um, I don't know if I believe this, but but Koba says it was originally going to be one night and the sales warranted a second night. I always sort of thought that that was kind of just a, a tale they told <laughs> that they mm. were always going to have two nights. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was right. But uh, anyway, but it was interesting that they, you know, Kobo was talking a bit about how Tokyo Dome, it's a baseball venue. It isn't mm-hmm. a concert venue. The acoustics are bad. There are restrictions on what kind of stuff you can bring in. Um, and he was worried about, like, people being so far away that they kind of lose focus on the show, which is why he put the thing in the middle. So that it'd be at least as close to everyone as it could be. Right. And with a huge screen that you can see from every angle and... Um, Oh, this is yeah. This is where the um, the sub stage was six to seven floors up. Whoa, that's crazy. 
Yeah. But there wasn't a lot of time either. So he, he said it was like building an amusement park and tearing it down in two days. Hmm. And there was a typhoon coming. <laughs> <laughs> so. Did you go to that I mean, one, Kevin? No. Oh, I thought you did. Um, you almost did, right? So I discovered them uh, October of that year. So mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. This was the first big show that I kind of followed oh. live. But yeah, no, no chance. No plans. <laughs> That would have been amazing to go to. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing. The the media that we got out of it at the end is pretty amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I I do often suspect. I mean, I guess you have you know this from Legend Metal Gal- Galaxy, but I do often suspect a little bit that like being there is its own experience, but at the same time, you don't see much and hear well. <laughs> sounds bouncing around, and you know, people are jumping around in front of you and stuff. Um. I can't speak to Tokyo Dome, but the yeah. arena shows I have been to in Japan, I thought the sound was actually pretty good. I mean, uh-huh. it's not its not like listening to, you know, a high quality CD or album rep or Spotify, you know, sitting at home with your headphones, um, uh-huh. but it's its definitely good enough. You can tell what's going on. Um, and yeah, it, it's an experience, right? Yeah. You're, you're not really there to watch, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Not like you would watching through your TV. Um, and they've always done a good job of having big ass screens so that when you do look, you can see what's going on. Yeah. It does seem like they're, they're quite concerned with the experience in the venue. Mm-hmm. They're well, also like, quite concerned with the, the view of the camera, but yeah. And Coba Kelvin mentions 360 degree screen. So everyone can see, you know, they had mm-hmm. the screen, the size of, I don't know, a small moon at legend metal galaxy. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's a, uh, if you want to see it, you can see it. Yeah, I mean, people at Legend Metal Galaxy actually, you know, it was it was almost too big. You know, like it was ants in front of a big screen. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Oh yeah, I guess uh, the one thing that Koba did say that I was going to mention is that um, after Tokyo Dome, he wanted to take a break. Yeah, so people people sometimes talk about the velocity that they had coming out of Tokyo Dome and, mm. and you know how they how that kept going. But um, if it had been up to Koba, he would have taken a break, except that. Suddenly, the Red Hot Chili Peppers invited them to go do that with you know be open for them, and then and he he thought he couldn't turn that down. Mm-hmm. So and and you know one thing led to another, and then they just wound up like just continuing on without a break. Yeah, but it was sort of interesting. I, I have heard people promoting you know the idea that you know that was that was the way to do it. He knew what he was doing back then. You know that he just took the took the momentum and ran with it but no no he was planning on t- yeah <laughs> he was planning on stopping dude dude wanted that vacation <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay let's see so the next thing the next thing in the in the book is some interviews i'm not exactly sure what it is but i believe that it is um basically pe- editorial people and journalists from uh, a variety of like industry publications like metal hammer and uh, Kerrang, and there's somebody from United Talent Agency London. Um, and these are all, so there are people who have been interviewed clearly in English, but it has then been translated to Japanese. So I don't know what they said. <laughs> so we have a number of these that we don't get to see, hear about yet, but at some point we will. Um, and then the next thing is a special special message from the the person currently in charge of Rothmicon also don't know what that says. <laughs> it's two pages of 
Japanese text. And yeah, I guess we're, there's a there's a whole pile of things now that we aren't going to get to talk about. But uh, next, the uh, an interview of Koba with Demon Kaka from um, this. Uh, now I forgot what it's called, but the you know the this sort of lore master that Koba was emulating. <laughs> So we've now made it like halfway through, um, and there's plenty of stuff left to talk about. The um, the spiritual messages four and five are the ones that sort of connect with the um, the like the modern era, and so we'll 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 start again there. We're on page one fourteen of the book, and uh, so um, we'll we'll next time we'll sort of do part two of this and whatever news we get in between now and then as well. Yeah, that sounds good. So, good plan. All right, so let's do that. Um, so that's it for this episode. <laughs> you can join us on the Baby Metal Podcast Discord server to continue the conversation. Rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help people find it, so please do that. Uh, you can email us at feedback at babymetalpodcast.com, right, I think? Yes. Uh, we'll be back here in about two weeks or something. We hope you'll join us then, and until then, see you.